This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining me for another episode. And today I want to talk about lead scoring. So once again, I'm not the expert on the topic, but I'm pretty good at finding the experts. So I'm joined by Casey Cheshire. He's the... um, I don't know what his title is, the boss man, founder and CMO, Cheshire Impact. <laughs> Casey, how's it going? Good, good. Happy to be here, man. Happy to be chatting with you again. And, you know, again, I was on your show a while back. Um, tell people, where can people find your podcast? What's the name? Sure. Yeah, it's the Hardcore Marketing Show. And core is spelled like the Marine Corps, not like the Earth Corps. So it's like hard C-O-R-P-S, Hardcore Marketing Show. And, you know, your show is super interesting. It is on YouTube, the video version. You have it on all the different channels. Um, I've been trying to do more and more video with my podcast, and it's just, it is so much work. It's so much easier just to talk. <laughs> well, that's true. That is much easier. But then you don't get to see the goofy expressions that I make when I freeze frames right on some terrible pose that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how it goes when we're just talking. Um, so lead scoring. Uh, I know we hear that term thrown around. People are asking for it. You know, uh, job descriptions are saying you need to be good at um, pushing leads through the funnel and all this different, th- all these different things. Uh, what are we talking about when we're talking about lead scoring? And, and you know, where do people start? Yeah, well, I tell you, marketers are usually pretty excited about lead scoring, but I tell you what, sales are usually terrified, if not angry, at lead scoring because how it's been done traditionally is you get this big number and, and someone is hopping up and down in marketing saying, call this person right away. They're the best lead ever. And then sales maybe, you know, sort of like, okay, you get this one. And so they track this person down because they've got this huge score and they may or may not be a good lead. Sometimes you, they finally get them, you know, on the phone and they find out it's a student doing research for a paper. And, <laughs> and uh, so marketing can lose some credit that way. So done right. Lead scoring and grading can be amazing. It can really build that relationship. But if you if you do it wrong, if you kind of stick with the traditional method, man, you can be walking yourself off a plank. <laughs> well, so I don't even know, um, you know, where to jump in there. I already got like five questions here. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you talk about um, the credibility, right? So the, the one thing that I've seen quite a bit out there. Um, there's really no right or wrong answers anymore, right? Uh, you know, this is working, now it's working, now it's not working, now it's working again. And if you really wanted to pick on somebody, you probably could find something, right? Because something changes or somebody doesn't like it. Um, so how do you overcome that credibility gap? How do you um, take it to the next level of collaboration, if I, if I may call it that? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I split it up into two different things. I like to have two-dimensional lead rating instead of just a single metric like a score um which again is the bane of the sales existence if you if you ask them and they're honest you know buy them a couple drinks and they're going to tell you what's what Um, but i like to have lead scoring and lead grading 
And the way I, I separate these two out is the scoring is how interested they are in you and the grading is how interested you are in them. And that makes it much more of a two-way street. And so what you end up finding is with the scoring, it measures your engagement. And so you get to see, relatively speaking, how engaged are these prospects? Are they downloading all your materials, attending all your webinars, checking out all your collateral? Great. And then how interested are you in them? And that requires asking them some questions and some progressive profiling if you have marketing automation. But what you find out is that, huh, this person is really engaged. Maybe they are the decision maker at the company. Or maybe they're that student, or maybe they're a partner in some foreign land trying to get your business, right? So it's important to not only know how engaged they are, but also how interested you are in them and to not confuse those two metrics with each other. That way you have a clear picture of, okay, that person we want to talk to and they're somewhat engaged, or they're the exact person we want to talk to and they're very engaged and let's sail in terms of who they want to hit first based on the grade first and then the score. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still about collaboration, right? It's not oh, you can't totally. be like, oh, you know, I, I'll do what I want to do because I'm a salesperson. I've been in this job for ever and ever. Um, how do you overcome that gap? Like, right. how, how do you get people to talk about um, what's needed and how do you move forward? Yeah, it's a good point. I think um, when you just have one number, you know, it's like who owns a lead score? But when you separate them out. I like to say marketing owns the lead score because it's how engaged they are. But I really want sales to dictate the different criteria that is involved in the lead grade. And, and that starts by asking, what, who do you want to talk to? What are the different qualities of the people you want to talk to? And judgment-free zone, if, if they want to talk to you know, a bamboo farmer you know, with four kids, awesome. Like You guys are the ones that need to make this call. I want them to call a lead with a grade of an A. And at the end of the conversation, be saying something like, yeah, that was an A. That's exactly what I want. Or B, where yeah, that was somewhat what I want. Or, you know, C, I knew that was kind of on the on the far edges. But instead of deciding for them what the criteria is, I really want to put that in their hands so that they're simply asking, you know, for what they want. And then we're just trying to deliver it on the marketing side. But Casey, are you saying that sales doesn't want to speak to every person who potentially could buy something, whether we have that service or not. Totally. I, yeah, no, I, I hear you. There, there are certainly some people <clears throat> in sales, um, not always the good ones that want to talk to everyone. I find that the best salespeople are experts at prioritizing their time. Who do I want to talk to first? Who do I want to talk to second? In fact, I once had a, a CEO coach me when I was doing a sales job, I was spending too much time with people who were no's and maybes. And he said to me after it was a trade show, he said, Casey, you know what? You're spending so much time. This person told you no, and that was a gift. What you could do with that gift is simply thank them, wish them a great day, great rest of the show, and get on to those other people who are potential yeses. Instead, you kept wasting those time on the no's. So really all this lead scoring and grading is doing is trying to help those reps out. Yeah, they're still going to make the call of who they talk to, but it gives them a little indicator, and especially if it's with their criteria, a little indicator of who's probably the best call to talk to first. Sure, call them all if you got the time, but if you only have time to call five, here are the ones that will meet that criteria that you're best. Here are your best calls right here. Go call them first. And I actually had a very smart CEO tell me one time, uh, the $2,000 sale takes you just as much time as the $20,000 sure. sale. Why, <laughs> sure. why are you spending your time on the $2,000 one? Um, so interesting. I, before we jump into technology, um, as you're picking uh, 
who to follow up with. I, you tell me if this was your show where I heard this or not. I, I think it was um, the example of two um, forms. One was long, yes. one was short. That, tell us that story. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's, this is what happens when you don't talk to sales about what you're trying in the marketing side. Um, or if you just look at data without giving it some context. You know, I was a young marketing manager um, and I was at this internal agency and had big budgets to spend and doing some ad, AdWords testing and PPC landing page optimization and all that good stuff. Just like living in a laboratory, kind of like a great dream job for a young marketer to learn things. And uh, we had these really e efficient, very short forms that were driven uh, traffic by the PPC side. Search engine clicks were going right to these very cool, highly efficient, maybe call it like five, six field forms. And the on the contrast of that, we had these long forms that were on the organic side. So if you just found us through organic, you hit our homepage, you wanted to get more information, there was like a 12 field form. It was, it was even probably more than that. It was like ridiculous how many questions were asked. The idea being though, well, if they're really that interested, they'll fill them out. Well, one of the things that happened is that after having these two tests going for a while, we had someone in marketing leadership. Now, I was not in leadership at this point. I was just a, you know, a mad scientist working, working in the front lines. And, um, and the leader came out and said, we have a report that shows that the people who have completed the 12 field form, they've come from that long form, um, are much better customers. They are much more likely to purchase from us than the people who fill out the six field forms. And, and so the dot, dot, dot was, I, shouldn't we then have all of our forms go from being short ones to being really, really long ones. And for anyone who's been optimized and test and get higher conversion rates, this is like sacrilegious. This is, this is a travesty. And so before I let any of that happen, I, I was I'm freaking out a little bit. I, you know, got a, got a Kit Kat bar and then went to hang out with sales and just kind of listen in and, and get a sense for what they were talking about. And why was this sort of thing happening? Well, come to find out, Sales didn't know that some people had a six field form and some people had a 12 field form. All they knew is that forms are getting filled out and they would see sometimes a prospect would come in, a lead would come in with, you know, 15 fields all populated. And then every now and then they'd see a lead come in where the person only had six fields and they thought everyone had the same opportunity to fill out those same forms. They thought everyone could have filled out the 15 or 12 form field form, but they instead chose to do the six field form. So they just assumed the leads that came in from PPC, the ones we're actually spending money on were bad leads. And so they didn't follow up with them. In fact, they thought they were kind of like the dredges the in the gutter. And so they would, <laughs> they would pounce on the leads that had the 12 and 15 fields filled in. And sometimes they would just leave the other ones to die on the vine thinking they're just rubbish. You know, and it could be the more opposite, right? We were, we were spending money on these other ones and they just didn't have the opportunity. So with a quick conversation, we were able to figure this out, clue sales in, and then they stopped cherry picking one versus another. Um, but it was just one of those things where you would, if you just sort of left it to what it looked like from the stats or left it to what people were talking about, we might've ruined our conversion rates by just going to the other, the other size. You know, that again, goes into the area of we have to take collaboration to a different yeah. level, right? You can't just put can't just put things on autopilot. It's kind of funny as we're talking a little bit about automation here, but um, you have to talk to each other and you have to see what's what and why is that happening. Um, let's talk about technology. So are we, when you talk about, you know, your two scores, 
in, in the very manual world, right, we see that uh, when, when I guess the marketing team or sales team, they say this is a likely deal or not a likely deal or they're interested, not interested. I mean, is that what we're talking about? There, there's a much better way to do this automatically. For, for sure. Yeah, marketing automation is like, that's the thing that makes me get up in the morning. I, I'm just, I, I wake up in the morning, the sun's shining, the birds are chirping, and marketing automation is, is with a big smile on its face, sending emails on my behalf while I'm waking up. You know, it's just the thing that just really gets me excited because it can take a lot of this grunt work that maybe we would have to do manually in marketing to be able to prep a lead for sales and get it all ready to go packaged up with a bow uh, and then automatically sent to sales while we're sleeping. Automatically. Yeah. Um, so, so how do you, uh, like, how do, how do companies get there? What's, what are the, the steps that you would walk them through to, to get lead scoring and lead grading set up? What's the, what's the, the strategy behind for that? For sure. For sure. We start with lead scoring because it's one of those things. And, and one of my favorite tools is called Pardot. Um, it's, it's part of the Salesforce, you know, ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so I geek out on Pardot a lot, but these are the kind of strategies you can use with any system. Uh, and so but one of the things is that in Pardot, lead scoring is just automatically happening. By default, you have different points being assigned to you based on different activities as a prospect. So if they click on a link, they get a couple points. If they download a form or download a, uh, a white paper, they get some more points and vice versa, right? So all those different situations get you points. And I typically tell people, to leave those alone, but they're they're good enough as is. It's not worth getting wrapped around the axle in terms of is this worth three? Is that worth seven? Right. And so <laughs> I was actually in a meeting one time back in the day when I didn't know any better, um, and I was just a by my marketing coordinator at the time. And I'm just I remember being in a boardroom with the VP of marketing, VP of sales, sales reps, some counterparts in the marketing world. Big meeting. Can't imagine how much they spent on the human time in this meeting. And all we did for an hour was talk about, and I didn't just say anything because I'm not, right? So all they did for an hour was talk about how many points something should have. Oh, so, you know, six is, it should be seven. No, I think it should be six points for this. A click is far too valuable, right? All this conversation. And what I've come to learn over the eons and now what I advise people is it's actually, it's okay. As long as you have what I call big score and little score, it's all good. And what, what I mean by that is, you want the score to be relative to the amount of effort it took the person to take that action. So to look at an email, to open something, doesn't really take much action at all. The, it, the light's just coming into their eyeballs. So we typically have that at zero. But if they click on a page, click requires moving their muscles a little bit in their fingers. We give them three points. You know, <laughs> visiting a page, maybe one per, point per page. But then on Completing a form is typically that big thing where, okay, they had to use their brain, use little noggin muscles. You know, your brain burns all these calories, right? They had to burn calories with their brain to fill out their name and their email and maybe barter with you and give you their phone number or some, some kind of demographical information, right? So they had to do all this stuff in exchange for some kind of content, and that's worth giving them some points for. So typically those get like 50 points. And the idea behind that is you don't want someone to get to the point um, – you don't want to have someone who just looked at a lot of web pages somehow equal the amount of someone who's done a barter with you, done a form, completed some forms, engaged with you that way. And so those are like the 50s and then the little tiny things are like the ones and the twos. And then attending a webinar, I might give you 50 for that too because, hey, that was an hour of your time or half an hour of your time and worth me seeing. And what I end up doing though is I, I use all these points to just draw a line 
in the sand with automation to say, okay, when someone gets over a hundred points, send them to sales. So that way it's not just automatically sending anyone who, you know, lives and breathes and completes a form over to sales. That's how they get inundated with people who aren't really that interested. And then they stop calling them. No, no. I only send people who are engaged, who are interested or have said like, call me. Those go right to sales. But otherwise they get a little bit of a warm up period with automation. And when the time is right, when they hit a hundred points, then they go over to sales. But Casey, we need sales today. Ship yeah. the sales, have them behind it. I mean, I, I, I'm sure. joking, of course, right? But before we get before we get to that point, I mean, I actually have had people um, say things like that, right? Why would we wait? Why would we even um, score anything? Uh, just keep calling them, keep sending them emails, and at one point um, they'll give up. Um, one quick comment, though, and I'd be interested if you agree or disagree. Um, I think those meetings used to be very common. And the one thing that came to my mind immediately, I've been in more meetings that I want to admit that I've attended where people would argue over the dumbest things on oh, websites. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, should it be in this order or that order in the navigation bar? And I'm just thinking it makes no difference. Nobody's going to click there. It's really just there in mm -hmm. case. <laughs> Seriously. You know? uh, I mean, is that, why those, is that why those meetings happen? Because people just... That's how it used to be, or or I, I don't know. I think it's, it's safe, you me. know. I think arguing over what kind of blue you want on the site, that's a safe conversation because in the end, you can't really make the wrong call. It's who cares, right? But it's something you can be, be wasting your time on instead of doing something harder, which is, okay, which call to action or which content or which theme should we go with this you know, to really reach our buyers. It, that's, that's the harder question. I don't know. You know, you got to really think about that one and do some work. Just, you know, a new, new marketer comes on board and you just change the website up right away. You know, is that really the first move you want to take? Probably not. But it takes time. And as you said, it's, it's a yeah. safe project. Um, and you, and you can't show something, right? Um, so how do you marry the push for I, I don't want to call it survival but it, it mm -hmm. kind of is right you got a tech startup or you know even a, a mid mid market uh, tech company and they want sales um how, how do you get people to understand that it takes time um and you don't just want to call everybody that attended the webinar if that was the first touch point they had with yeah you? you know and uh, you know i've got the strategies that, that get people really efficient but at the same time you know the real talk is right like i need I need sales now. Well, they're not going to come from those leads that that aren't ready yet, right? Or that aren't a good fit. They're just not going to come from there. And rather than having you waste your time, which could be spent selling, I'd rather waste my automation time, the computer time to do it, to find it out for you. You know, it's really all about the efficiency of sales. But one of the things I'll do for lead scoring is I'll set the bar low so that you Great, you can go right over. And that's how typically we'll start with people who can't go right for that, that mm -hmm. two-form fill and then they get sent over. Um, you set the automation up, but it's a single global thing so that, yeah, maybe the points at 50, then you, they go over, but then you can start raising it up a little bit so that it reduces the lead count a little bit, but it also get, it increases the, the quality of it. So there's a little bit of a process so you don't just you know overnight drop the leads in half, but they're all really good leads. Because there's a little bit of training involved internally, but one of the, one of the companies I experienced this dramatically. Uh, I, I went to an onsite in North Carolina, and um, great, you know, great trip flying down there. Get to meet, meet these awesome people. We did we did like a couple day strategy onsite, and 
And when I, I remember when I pulled up to their building, they had their own building and they were building a new one next door. So it wasn't to replace it. They were actually adding a second building. And when I asked them, you know, who was going to be in there, they pointed out into the hall, into this big room full of college grads. And they had this huge room, like a football field full of college grads dialing for dollars as they're like cold calling sales reps. They said, see that? We're going to do more of that. And and I, is it working? It was my question to them. And they said, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, we're getting like 1% you know, growth year over year, you know, which I guess I, the beholder, um, you know, it doesn't really sound like you're, it's working that well. It sounds pretty inefficient, but they thought, well, we'll just increase the volume and then we'll just get more from it. Um, thinking that that might be the case. So their plan was this whole se second building was going to have like two or three or four floors, however tall it was that many more football fields full of college grads dialing for dollars, calling these, these clients and these customers. And, you know, the crazy thing was that after working with them, getting them set up on marketing automation, and in this case, it was Pardot, um, it really worked with them to do that. We were able to make it much more efficient so that that team on the floor in the original building, they were able to call the hot leads right then and there. And they were actually able to do it with less. So instead of needing a football field full, they only needed maybe um, a third of the field, right? They only needed a, a smaller team because instead of just sort of trying to see who was a fit, they had a smaller team calling people who we knew were a fit. And in that way, they were much more efficient with the time. They could use the spend they would have used on all these other people to dial for dollars to do better marketing and better serve their customers with some good thought leadership. And But the funny thing is, I, and I still don't know to this day, what did they do with a second building? They were already building it. They didn't need the rest of the, the sales <laughs> floor. They also didn't need the rest of that other building. So hopefully they found a good use for it. I know, right? Out. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of automation as well. Probably not uh, nearly as advanced as what you're talking about with the lead scoring and grading. But, you know, a couple of stories that come to mind. One is uh, I was attending a conference. And as you, as you know, happens when you attend conferences, you get hammered by emails, right? So true. And I mean, everybody's emailing you about whatever they want you to do. Stop by my booth booth 2400 and i'm like i don't ever even know where the numbers are i don't know where that is but anyway so this was actually a smaller conference and i got an email from a ceo and it was kind of a unique name which prompted me to remember it right and the company too and uh it was inviting me to something i don't remember what it was uh, uh, huh. something that night and i just believe it or not i happened to sit next to that ceo at the table and i said i think i just i got just got an email to you from you to your thing tonight. And he goes, no, that wasn't for me. What are you talking about? And it was totally him, right? I looked it up while I was sitting there and I didn't push it, of course. But he clearly, even if they talked about the campaign, right, that they were doing this, they clearly mm. didn't remind him <laughs> that it was coming out. Um, and then the other example, which wasn't quite as bad in my opinion, um, you know, I ran an um, automatic outreach after some webinars. And unlike the fifth or sixth, uh, step, I offered a free consultation. And as you might remember, the, the, as you might imagine, the six steps, you know, that's like uh, 10 days down the road. So I barely remember I did a webinar um, and people started <laughs> signing up. Right. And so as they were signing up, I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and um, and then I, of course, had to kind of combine, OK, that email is still going out. Of course, it wasn't coming out of my email folder so i couldn't even find it it took me a minute to to remember that but there is that you need to still combine 
once you start talking to people or once you lend your name to something, uh, there needs to be, you need to oh, remember yeah. what you're doing. No, oh, yeah. You know, the, in, there can be so much power in that. If you just have that extra conversation and leverage it the right way, the fact that you get an email from someone um, and it engages them afterward. You know, one of the cool things with like a Pardot Salesforce combo is it'll save the email. And it sounds like I'm a sales pitch for Pardot, but just get used to it. I just love this tool. I don't sell it. I just love it. Um, but, it but it takes the email you sent, even if you didn't remember sending it because it was automation, and it puts it under the contact record so that if you are trying to remind yourself of the conversation, you go pull up the person you're meeting or the CEO at the table or, or you know, he's meeting you, he can pull you up see that yes indeed his system sent you an email on your on his behalf he could see what it said and then be quickly in the loop on it right and and what a cool moment to connect with someone um as opposed to completely rejecting it so we have that you know the challenge too. make sure sales knows what it means got got to do a little training right so they know what it means to have a nurture email sent on their behalf and what you want to avoid is that no reply situation right and you know, where if that, if that CEO had emailed you and you tried to reply to him, instead of talking to the CEO, you get like no dash reply. I hate that. Or the marketing team or somebody else. It's like, you know, when did we forget that actually someone writing us back is the most ideal form of engagement ever? And yeah, I like your click, but I'll, I'll take your email reply. It's not as trackable. Sure. But I will take that any day over just clicking and converting on my, on my landing page. So like sometimes people want to reply, let them reply. Don't, don't put them down some corner, give them an email address or a fake person that you know doesn't exist, you know, engage with your customer that way. So uh, other than logging into Salesforce and, and take a look at the email, what other tips do you have for people to remember um, or alert people? that a campaign went out what's the what's yeah, a good the question good right practice? if they're not connected well it's probably just worth reviewing what you've got and also keeping it simple that way you don't have like nine million different follow-ups happening uh, if you can't so you know the general gist mm -hmm. of it and then kind of like improv right hey yes and go with it go with it you'll 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 get reminded of it shortly then then and thereafter right so it just in case it doesn't quite make sense you know ask them which you know which email they received and and maybe, you know, how, what kind of an impact it had on them that might give you a chance to, to catch up on it. And, you know, the other thing is too, when you use your CEO's name or an expert or whatever, um, oh, remind yeah, them, especially if they go to a conference, right? I mean, they could have just totally told this. I mean, the CEO didn't need to know that I opened the email, right? right? It was kind of irrelevant until I said next to him. But he actually denied that. Right. Why would you do that? Email, <laughs> which, which, Right. Improv right there. Oh, yeah, you bet. <laughs> That's me. Um, yeah, how you been? Hey. So, Casey, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Um, so let's talk about the technology some more. And it's totally, it's fine. You know, you're uh, a fan of those tools. Uh, and I've been in um, on projects and companies where they had Salesforce, where they had um, Pardot, where they had Marketo, where they had other things. And you know, they use some of those tools, but there was, I don't remember a lot of discussions in, in numerous projects, even where those tools were present, where they even talked about the two scores. They just yeah. used them to email, I think. Um, and how do you, so how do you make that next step? What's the what's The next the step, what, with the getting, once you have that tool or, or even getting, or the strategy around creating well, it in the first place? Yeah. Well, so I, I've seen projects where people do have the tools in place. They do have a decent strategy, 
um, but they're not getting to the level of lead scoring and lead grading. Um, or maybe they're not looking at, or maybe they don't know about how to do it. I don't know. Right. But, but once you have those tools, how do you make sure you use that piece of it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of us, and I've been guilty of this, you know, we get tools like this and we think they're going to solve all of our problems, like a silver bullet. Um, I remember I got this old PPC tool supposed to help my AdWords out. No, it just looks pretty. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, fix the problem of you not understanding <laughs> AdWords. You need to fix that yourself um, or, or get a good strategist in there. Um, so I think sometimes we can, we can kind of think that they're set it and forget it or underestimate the importance of the strategy. Right. So I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it wasn't necessarily the tool talked about initially. Cause I think oftentimes we need to make sure strategy comes first, then process, then technology. Right. So, where are we going? How are we going to get there? Who we want to talk to? What are the customers? All that good stuff. How does it fit into our process from start to finish and handing off to sales? Okay, cool. Now let's build on whatever tool can fulfill all those requirements. And I think when you do it in that direction, you're more likely to actually use the things that we want to use them. But oftentimes that's something that happens. And so, you know, one of the things I did is I built a maturity model and a roadmap for marketing automation. And so uh, one of the things that people often complain about, and I've felt this too, is you have a gut feeling like you're using a tool, Pardot, Marketo, HubSpot, whatever it is, any kind of marketing automation tool. You feel like you're using it, but also not using it. And, you know, depending on how cynical you feel that day or how down on yourself, you might say, oh, I'm, we're, we're terrible with this tool. But you don't necessarily know how you, how you sort of map out to everyone else. So I made this thing. It's called the the Cheshire Success Index for Marketing Automation, CSI for short, because, I mean, who can pass up that type of a, an acronym? But what it does, it just it shows you there's 10 <laughs> steps, there's 10 different strategies and features that you need to be using in marketing automation. And one of them is the scoring and grading, like we're talking about. Um, but it's not the only one. It's also not the first one. There's some things you have to do before you get to that step. Uh, but one of the things we do is we just get on a talk through these questions. And at the end of it, you have a number between zero and 10 of how well you're using it. And then fr from there, you can also know what your next step is because it's the lowest number on that roadmap that's incomplete. And then you also know what a 10 looks like. And so it kind of encapsulates a little bit for you in terms of what your next step is. It, it depends, you know, on a case by case basis, but it does depend on where you fit along on this roadmap. And, and so, you know, when the time comes that you really need to do grading and scoring and you get those things connected, now, you know, it's the thing that needs to happen. I guess, you know, you also need to have yeah. the right goals, right? I'm, I'm just thinking about, I've been in so many companies and so many projects where they literally had a project team to get a specific um, technology solution up and running. And so getting something up and running is very different totally. from making the best use of it, right? Um, like I, I implement a Marketo. Here you know, <laughs> right. It's live. <laughs> you know? What do we do with it? Kind of kick it like a little bit. What's this do? <laughs> that wasn't my goal. That was okay, right? That was not my goal. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. So so make sure you actually have the right goal and not just implement it and, and throw it over the, the wall. Um, so as you were talking, the one thing that I just thought about is, so I did this article over on uh, ctrap.online, uh, the top barriers companies face to convert website yeah, visitors cool. into known traffic. And so this is, um, uh, actually, it was a partnership with Lead Forensics. And what they do is they identify unknown traffic to known traffic. And you can read it. So my, I don't know anything about the technology. I, but my point in the article is, like, 
2,000 words, so I have a lot to say, I guess, is you can't convert any traffic into known traffic if you don't have any True. traffic. <laughs> so obvious, right? So you have to have good content to even get people to come to your site, and then you can do that. Um, when, when you talk about lead scoring and, and lead grading, are you talking about uh, you know who the people are, or are we also talking about grading the unknown traffic that you can then into, turn into known traffic yeah. through tools like that one? We at least got, we got their email address, right? So we, we somehow either they – maybe it was a list from a trade show, and they, we got the list of people. You throw them into marketing automation or – or people that are coming to your site and signing up for this juicy content, right? I mean, you know, cart before the horse, they, you got to somehow get them in the first place. And I think a lot of people do waste some time, you know, to your point, going after the unknown people who don't want to engage with us. Like if you've got really good content out there for the right buyer and they don't engage with you, <laughs> don't go tracking down their IP address to figure out who they are and stalk them at home. You know, like the, but the people that like do sign up for your good content, that want to know more, those are the people that you want to serve. And so that's really where lead scoring comes in is the people that are worth, you know, a little bit more nurturing so that you can send them over to sales to follow up. The people that want to yeah. opt in and want yeah. to have a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. is, is there such a thing as sending too many leads sure. to the sales team? Sure. I think that's what happens. It, it's a sort of crazy cycle, right? Le you know, sales says more leads. And then, you know, we can send them. I once had this conversation with, uh, it's interesting story now, with a CEO of one of those big office rental space type companies, kind of like Regis. And um, I had a conversation with him and he was saying, you know what, marketing, whatever, I just need them to drive tours of our, of our offices. Don't even care who you send. Just send people to our offices that, so our sales manager on site can give them a tour and they'll close them down go sales. And, and it was like, huh, what an interesting, albeit kind of a basic way of looking at that because the problem is I know as a marketer, I'm a good guy, but I could easily not be if I wanted to. And I know I could, I could fill that building up with tours. I could get a whole bunch of people that have no business getting an office, but they'd show up. Like I could give college grads pizza to come see an office. I could give um, stay-at-home parents, you know, free lunch and babysitting just to come take a tour. I could get all the wrong people to take a tour, but that's not what he really needs. What he really needs is tours that drive revenue, you know, and connecting to the, the to the end result. So yeah, I there's that interesting balance that plays with with sales and marketing where they may ask for more leads, but are they really saying more leads? Or are they saying more quality leads? And I think um, I, sometimes both sides can get a little too wrapped up around activity instead of really being aligned on the pipeline and, and the end result, that revenue. Because activity, it's like in, on the content side, right, Casey? I mean, activity right. feels like you're doing something that actually, I mean, that's, I have this debate all the time. Should you create more new content or should you update? And I just did a live show on that is, uh, should you update or delete old content and use pieces of it? And, you know, um, optimizing old content doesn't feel nearly as active right. as writing a new article. Right. So um, definitely a problem. Well, you can check out Casey's, I don't know if it's new well, you or can not. call it new. It's it came out this new. year. When did the book come out? <laughs> this year. Uh, Marketing Automation Unleashed, the Strategic Path for B2B Growth. Um, it's on Amazon. It's a top uh, 200 so that is uh, fantastic you, you know there's like millions of books 
on there or something like that. Uh, we'll have the link in the show notes. You can check it out there. Sure, Casey, yeah. Else you know, there's another thing we've got going on too. Um, if you go to Cheshire Impact, and Cheshire is like the cat, impact.com, we're doing a thing now where if you are interested, we can do a Pardot or marketing automation audit with you, where you're at with your marketing automation platform. And uh, at the end of it, you'll know you know your, where you're at, where you need to go, and what a 10 looks like, but we'll also send you a copy of that book. So if you're interested in getting a copy of that book, we'll send you one if you do one of these marketing automation audits. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.